Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah Alladhi la ilaha illahu Ala maman nabihi Alayna minan ni'm al-kathira Al-zahirati wal-batina Wa ashadu an la ilaha illa allahu Wahdahu la sharika la Wa ashadu anna muhammadan Abduhu wa rasooluh Salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi Amma ba'd by the name of Allah, the most merciful, the most compassionate, all praise belong to Allah, the one that there's none that has the right to be worshipped except Him. He's alone without having any partners who has bestowed upon us blessings that are numerous. Blessings that are outward and inward. And I bear witness that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah and that Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah. May the peace and salutations of Allah be upon Him. Amma ba'atu prasidi akhwan Allahumma inna na'udhu bika min ilmin la yinfa' wa min qalbin la yakshar wa min nafsin la tashba' wa min dua'in la yusma' Verily Allah, we seek refuge with you from knowledge that has no benefit and from a heart that has no fear and from a soul that has no satisfaction nor contentment and from a dua that goes unanswered from a dua that goes unanswered فنوحسن ماذا نرحب بكم جميعا إلى هذه السلسلة العلمية في علم الفقه مع فضيلة الشيخ الإمام عبد الرحمن ابن ناصر السعدي رحمه الله تعالى. So we welcome each and every one of you to this series of classes, whereas tonight we're studying from the science of al-fiqh, the science of al-fiqh, with the noble Imam al-Sheikh Abu Rahman ibn Nasir al-Sa'di. May Allah have mercy upon him. فَنُعْلِنُ الْإِخْوَةِ يَخْوَانِ وَلِنَفْسِ أَوَّلًا وَلَهُمْ ثَانِيًا So we just give announcement to ourselves and our brothers secondly, يَخْوَانِ عندي فكرة We have an idea, inshallah ta'ala. سَيَزُورُ الْإِخْوَةِ فِي أَمْرِيكَ فِي مَدِينَةِ أَلَّانْتَ جُرْجَا فِي مَسْجِدِ مسمو مسجد توحيد الشيخ الكبير الشيخ محمد الرمزان حفظه الله تعالى وسيبقى عند الإخوة أسبوع أو أربعة أيام إن شاء الله تعالى. So one of the major scholars of our time today, الحمد لله, from the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, الشيخ محمد رمزان حفظه الله تعالى is intending to come to the masjid there in Atlanta, Georgia, مسجد توحيد. I believe. Alhamdulillah, he's going to be there for a week or four days or so. في آخر هذا الشهر في آخر هذا الشهر at the end of this month, إن شاء الله. فما بالنا أن نجمع شيئا من المال ونستأجر سيارة مثلا وأن نزور الشيخ إن شاء الله تعالى. So what do you guys say, إخوان? We put some money together and we rent a van or so. And we pause our classes for four days and we go visit the Shaykh and the brothers and sisters there. We want to feed them in the Shaykh. And we stay with the Shaykh four or five days and we come back. What do you guys say about that, Yaqwan? The date, Yaqwan, I heard was inshallah. We're going to ask. And the Shaykh said, في الثالث والعشرين والرابع والعشرين وخمس والعشرين إلى الثالث والعشرين والله أنا. so we mentioned we heard 
the Sheikh is intended to start the classes there the 23rd, 24th, 25th, and 26th. Four days. The Lidnasraniya fi Utlatihim al Asad. For the Christians, is their holiday, unfortunately, the Thanksgiving. So the Thanksgiving break. <laughs> the Sheikh is intended to come, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, the 23rd, 24th, and 25th, or 26th. So we can, inshallah, let's see who would like to go, ya ikhwan. So we have some brothers there who come together. We could try to put some monies together as a group. See if we can rent a van, maybe, uh, and intend to go. Uh, I think it's about to die, huh? Inshallah. So just an idea, Ikhwan. It will be a lot for individually. As one brother said, it may take like $500 a person to go. Uh, the mic is Labas. If we come together, and we put our monies together, Maybe we can sleep in the masjid there, or we can rent a room, or something like that. So let's see who wants to go, ya ikhwan. The 23rd, 24th, 25th, and 26th. If we get about five or six brothers, and we share everything, that'll be nice, inshallah. Right? And you don't really find a lot of opportunities like that nowadays where the Shaykh comes to a certain country. So we don't have to go to him in his country. He came to America. So let's uh, take advantage of the opportunity, inshallah ta'ala. فَسُئِلْتُ هَلْ لِإِخْوَ فِي مَسْجِدِ التَّوْحِيدِ يُتَرْجِمُونَ الدَّرْسِ مِنْ عَرَبِيَّ الْإِنْكْلِزِيَّةِ أَوْ مِنْ عَرَبِيَّ لَلْسُمَالِيَّةِ فَأَمَّا أَنَا فَالْعَالَمْ يُمْكِنَ نَتَصِلُ بِالْإِمَامِ وَنَسَلَهُ إِنْشَاءَ اللَّهِ One of the brothers asked me at the Masjid Tawheed there in Atlanta do they translate from Arabic to English or from Arabic to Somalia as that Masjid there is a mainly a Somalian community so I said, Allah, I don't know there. We can ask. And I think that Even if they do translate into Somalian, Somalia, I'm sure that they would translate, inshallah, to English, the words of the Shaykh. Anyone ever heard uh, the Imam Khalif, his classes? Do we translate into Arabic and Somali or Arabic and English? Mm -hmm. I heard about the brother, may Allah reward the brother, the Imam there, but I've never heard any of his reminders, his classes or Jumu'ah lectures, so I'm not sure how does he do it. But we can ask, inshallah ta'ala. So that's a fikrah, it's an idea. You guys think about that, inshallah. I believe it wouldn't be a lot if we can rent a van or, or so. And then we all, alhamdulillah, take some change of clothes, take our notebooks, and tend to seek knowledge with the Shaykh, inshallah. We don't know when the next time he's going to come back to America. Someone says, what masjid are you at? I'm in Columbus. Am I close to you? Uh, we're in Kansas. May Allah bless you.
Oh, there's a Columbus? Oh, now we're in Missouri. May Allah bless you. There's a Somalian community there in Columbus also. So many Somalian communities, uh, my son used to go there, Masjid uh, Noor or something like that, Masjid Sahaba. I heard they did a lot of good there also, yeah, there are many communities that are mutamasikun bil kitab sunnah, that are holding on to the Quran and the sunnah, kitab sunnah, teaching the people the Quran and the sunnah. That's khair, fadl min Allah. That's tremendous. And a bounty from Allah Ta'ala. Can the sisters travel also? If they have a mahram, then they can travel. If they don't have a, mah a mahram, then we would say to the sisters, don't go. No. Where did we arrive in our fifth class? Sifatul wudu. طيب قال سعدي رحمه الله تعالى بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم باب صفة الوضوء chapter the description of الوضوء ولعلنا تمرر أو مررنا ببداية هذا الباب ببداية هذا الباب and perhaps we mentioned the beginning of this chapter ارفع قليلا raise your voice جميلا بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قال ويقسل كفيه ثلاثا and he washes from the descriptions of the wudu he washes his kafay his two palms ثلاثا three times ثم يتمضمضو then he puts the water in his mouth and he smushes it around smushes it around والاستنشاقو ويستنشقو and then he puts the water in his nose Thalathan, three times. Bithalathi gurafatin, with three scoops of water. The karna al-ikhtilaf, or the karna anna qawla sa'di, hadha huwa al-afdal, lakin laysa biwajib. We mentioned that the words of a sa'di here, this is the best way to make wudu. Kullu ghuslin thalathan, that every washing is three times, illa al-ra's, except the head, wa illa al-mas'h al-udhunayn, and except wiping the ears. That's one time. So this description of a Sa'di is the best. But as for the Sunnah of the Messenger, how he used to make wudu, there's actually three different ways of how many times to wipe. The first way is that you wipe one time. That's also a Sunnah. The second way, you wipe uh, two times. That's another sunnah. And the third sunnah, thalathan, is that you wash each body part three times. He says with three scoops of water. Regarding The scholars differ into two opinions regarding putting the water in your mouth and nose together. What a Sa'di mentions is the best, and this is the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah. لكن يوجد قول آخر عند جمع من العلماء جمع من العلماء. But there's a second opinion by many scholars also that you can take water to the mouth and separate water to the nose. هذا جائز عند بعضهم. That's allowed. لكن السنة كما قال سعدي السعدي رحمه الله تعالى. But the Sunnah 
As Hazrat Sa'di says here, Wallah ta'ala ala wa alam. Then you wash, or he washes his face three times. And his hands to the elbows three times. Then he wipes his head from the muqaddam, the front part of his head, going backwards with his two hands. Then he comes forth from the back to the front. So he comes backwards and then he goes forward one time. He does this one time. Wiping the head is always one time. That's a benefit, ikhwah. It's never twice, it's never three times. From the strongest opinion of the scholars. I want you to write. First benefit of tonight. Al-Fa'idah ula Benefit number one. Benefit number one. The wiping. Mada. Master, could you do me a favor and charge my thing for me? The wiping of the head is always three times. Uh, the wiping of the head is always one time. And it's not ever going to be twice, and it's not ever going to be three. The wiping of the head is never going to be three. Never. It's always going to be one. And this is the strongest opinion from the people of knowledge. Some scholars they say you can wipe twice the head, three times the three times the head. The correct opinion is that the head is always once. Likewise the two ears. The wiping of the two ears are always going to be once. And then he places his two index fingers inside of his ears. Then with his, his two thumbs, his ibham, he wipes the outside of the thumb, the white outside of the ears. Then he washes his two feet to the ankle bones three times. Benefit number two. This is the most complete wudu. As we mentioned, this is the best wudu that the Messenger والسلام, he used to do. This is the best wudu that the Messenger والسلام, he used to do. With okay. Uh, the insides, you take your index fingers, the inside of your ears. Okay. The appearance, if I can say that, not the deep down in your ear, that which you can see visibly of the ear. This is the best, the most complete 
description of the wudu of the messenger alayhi salatu wassalam benefit number three <coughs> and the obligation of all of this the obligation is that you wash each body part three times. Uh, each body part one time. The obligation is that you wash each body part one time. So we have a prophetic description and you have an obligatory description. We have a prophetic description and we have an obligatory description. So these descriptions here, although they may not be mentioned in the Quran. What does it mean here? What is not mentioned in the Quran that is part of the wudu? Hey, the washing of the mouth and the nose. Allah didn't mention that. Some scholars say, why didn't Allah mention it? Bit tafsir. They say Allah mentions it generally. How is that? How can Allah not mention something in detail, but He mentions it generally? Many of Accent. Wash your faces. The mouth and the nose is part of the face. Part of the face. What's something else Allah didn't mention? Masi. It's in the Sunnah, but Allah didn't mention it in the Quran. The number. Allah didn't say anything about the number. So for this reason, the scholars of Islam, they mention, since Allah didn't say two or three, it's understood to be one. It's understood to be one. Description number one. I want you to write descriptions of the wudu. Description number one. Having the correct intention. Athaniyatu, description number two. This is going to be on your test, your wudu test. Mention the description of how the Messenger of Allah made wudu. Description number one, intention. Description number two, at-tasmiyah, saying Bismillah. We mentioned the ikhtilaf of the people of knowledge regarding the Bismillah into three. Opinions. Who remembers? Three opinions. Fala. Let's see who's the from the ulama of fiqh at Masjid Salam. Three opinions of the people of knowledge regarding Bismillah. Saying Bismillah. Fala. First group says that mandatory. Mashallah. First group of scholars <laughs> says obligatory to say Bismillah. Second opinion. Second group says that. It's recommended. They have a hadith that they use. Those that say it's obligatory. Masi. Which hadith are they using to say? Al-Basmalatu wajibatun fil wudu. That you have to say Bismillah while you're making wudu. There's a hadith. Huh? 
There is no wudu for the one who does not mention Allah's name upon it. We mentioned the scholars have two positions regarding this hadith. First opinion. Hey, mashallah, walad al-jadid, akhiran. May Allah, mashallah, barakallahu fihi wa fi walidihi. May Allah bless him and his parents, wa'ilatihi, and his family, ikhwan. Jamilan. Ta'ib, barakallahu fihi. Mashallah, ikhwan. One of the brothers I used to know was a, not a Muslim, he's a non-Muslim. Qala, mashallah ta'ala. He says, in your religion, there's a lot of beautiful things. I said, Alhamdulillah, why don't you not, why are you not Muslim? He said, Inshallah, Inshallah, Sa'uslimu bidnillah. He said, I'm going to become Muslim, Inshallah. He says, one thing I see from the Muslims, Antum tusaluna kathiran. Alhamdulillah. He says, number one, from the beauty, you guys pray a lot. That's beautiful. Alhamdulillah. In the morning you pray, afternoon you pray, nighttime you pray, mashallah. That's ni'mah. Well, here jameel. And that's beautiful. Qala thaniyan, yumkinuka an tatazawwaja akthar min zawwajajin wahidatin. He said, and another beauty, the men, you can have more than one wife. Alhamdulillah. He says, another thing I see, antum mashallah ta'ala indukum awladun kathir. Kathira. Wa hadha min fadlillahi ta'ala alaykum. He says, another beautiful thing I see, you Muslims, you have a lot of children. It's going to make the ummah big and large. As the Messenger of Allah says. Alhamdulillah. So the dukhud of our beloved future Imam from the family of our beloved Sheikh Mayra reminded us of that conversation. MashaAllah, ya ikhwah. Kadalika ummi, hiya daiman tatakalam anil islam, mashaAllah, bi khayr. Lakin... Likewise, my mother, Yehwan, Allah Yahdiha wa Yana, may Allah guide her and all of us. She always mentioned Islam in a good light. She has so much good to say about Islam, but she's dragging her feet. The guidance is from Allah. Guidance is from Allah. Sometimes they're scared of things. My mother, she used to say, I believe Islam is true. I believe it. But I can't leave what my mother and father was on. That's like the ayah. She said, I believe, I believe Islam, mashallah. She said, but my Ummi and my Abi, they died upon something else. How am I going to leave what they were on? I say, mashallah. Haluhum indallah, wa haluki kathali indallah. Ida anti madha ta'atarifina bi anna l-islam haq, falimadha la tatabi'inahu. Limadha. I say, your condition is with Allah, and grandmother and grandfather's condition is with Allah. If you see it to be truth, why wouldn't you follow it? Why wouldn't you follow it? So we ask, same way we ask for guidance for ourselves, we ask that Allah guides our parents here, Quran, and our non Muslim relatives. Is every non Muslim a disbeliever? No. Sheikh Mahira says yes. I said no. Ah, Sheikh Mahira says la. La. Is every non Muslim a disbeliever? Yes, yes. Ah, answer is no. Sheikh Myra and Sheikh Muhammad is correct. Not every non-Muslim is a kafir. Meaning, eh, 
الكافر يا إخوان هو الذي جاء إليه إسلام في صورة الحق ويكفر به هذا يسمي كافرا هذا يسمي كافرا The kafir we will say the disbeliever is the one that Islam came to in a correct description of Islam and then he يكفر به he disbelieves in it that's the disbeliever لكن إذا العبد لا يسمع شيئا عن الإسلام أو أتى الإسلام إليه في صورة مخطئة لا نسميه كافرا لا نسميه كافرا هو ليس بمسلم But if Islam comes to someone but the way it comes is incorrect the description of it someone lies upon Islam or they never heard about Islam then we can't call this one a disbeliever what is he disbelieving in? He didn't see the correct Islam. If there's someone in the mountains, in a forest, for example, and Lam Yasma Shayran Islam, he never heard anything about Islam. If that's correct, how can we say he's a disbeliever? We would say he's a non Muslim in English. So there's a difference, especially in our translations. That's why we say it's important to learn Arabic also, Yaqwan, and not depend on translation. We think every non-Muslim is a kafir, and that is not always the case. If this person heard about Islam, وَيَكْفُرُ بِهِ نَعَمْ نَقُولْ هُوَ كَافِرٌ جَاءَهُ الْإِسْلَامُ وَكَفَرَ بِهِ This one heard about Islam. Islam came to him. He saw a correct depiction of Islam, and he rejected it. Yes, he's a disbeliever. He turned away. Disbeliever. Alhamdulillah. He heard about the Quran correctly and turned away. Disbeliever. But this person never heard of Islam. Or he was like, I used to be. Mithilin, I heard of Islam. But what I heard about Islam was false. When I heard, when I was first studying, and uh, I was Christian, ya ikhwan, thumma taraktu kulla adiyanin, wana'udhu billah, then I left off every religion. Ma kuntu shay. I wasn't anything. Ana kuntu min khalqillah. I was a creation of Allah. That's it. لست مسلما لست نصرانيا لست يهوديا لا لست ملحدا لا I wasn't a Muslim I wasn't a Christian I wasn't a Jew I wasn't an atheist I wasn't any other religions that I can't think of at this moment I believed in Allah the creator that's it ما سمعت شيئا عن محمد ابن عبد الله عليه الصلاة والسلام I never heard about the prophet Muhammad ibn Abdullah nothing سمعت بكلمتي باسم محمد I heard about the word, the name Muhammad. لكن سمعت هذا الاسم لشخص آخر. But I heard about the name, but it was attached to another person. Not Muhammad ibn Abdullah salam. The Muhammad I heard was another Muhammad from the nation of Islam. So when I first heard about Islam, ظننت أن الإسلام دين للأسود. فقط وهم يكرهون الأبيض وما سمعت بجنة ظننت أن الجنة الحياة طيبة في هذه الدنيا والعالم What I heard, إخوان that Islam was the way of life of the black people the black man, the black woman that's what I heard, that's what I thought that's why Islam humbles me the Islam I heard was for the black man like Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali and those Individuals like that, the nation of Islam. That's what I heard. They hate the white man, hate the Arab man, hate the Chinese man. It's just black, 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 black. That's what I heard. There was no Jannah. That's what I heard. 
The Jannah was having a good life on this world. This world. There was no hereafter. There was no Yom Qiyamah. There was none of that. It's this life only. Then two people came to me, Ibrahim Fletcher and Lamont. And I always forget Lamont's last name. I gotta do a Google search and find Lamont. Alhamdulillah. These two brothers came to me. And nowadays I wear Islamic garments and I hope Allah accepts that from me. From all of us, Yaqwan. And our beloved brother at that time, Ibrahim Fletcher. When I saw him, he used to wear a thobe also. One of the first brothers I ever seen wearing a scarf and a thobe to this day. The humbling part, now I wear a thobe every day. Right? And when he used to pass by, I used to laugh at him. And I was Christian at that time. Or oh, I don't even know if that's correct to say I was Christian at that time. Hakikatan, in reality. I don't think I was anything at that time. I left Christianity by then. I don't think I was anything. Every time I saw this beloved brother, I would laugh at him. And I had a position with my friends. If I make a joke, they're going to laugh. If I bust on somebody, they're going to laugh. They were my friends. And they would look up to me slightly. I would say, hey, 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 look at that man right there. Look at, look at how he's dressed. Yeah, look at him, look at him. And I would joke on him. And I would say, he looks like a woman. That's a dress. My mother wears that. Stop for the love. May Allah forgive us, Yaqwan. Then I got close with him. He used to love the 49ers. At that time, I liked the Buffalo Bills. So we used to always argue, my team is better than your team. Your team is better. Your team is better. And that's the only time he would take off his stove. When we used to watch a football game. And he would always wear his 49ers jersey underneath. I don't know why. I'm not a football fan. I don't like basketball. Why do, as people, we wear the jersey of our teams while we're watching them play? As if, like we're the ones playing. <laughs> I never understood that psyche, that I'm watching the game. I say, ho, ho, ho. Then I'm going to go change my garments and put on my Michael Jordan shirt while I'm watching Michael Jordan play. Like it gives me some type of, I don't know, connection. some type of connection. I never understood that in my life. I like watching the game. I've never hit on a jersey to watch the game. I don't understand that. It's like you're part of the team. It's like you're part of it. But why am I not out there? That's like we're singing. And I'm not telling you to sing songs, Yaqwan. Singing is haram. For those who sing songs, you ever seen somebody sing a song that he really likes? It's like he's the one who wrote it. He's so into it. He's sweating and he's crying when it's time to cry. He say, who wrote that song? You're singing it like it's yours. For example, at any rate, you make your own song, no music there, that'll be more like poetry. Like my mom used to say, I wish we took her advice. She would say, why are you trying to memorize that rap song? I like the song. She says, make your own song. Why are you going to sing someone else's song? At that time, I thought she was crazy. But that makes some sense. I don't want to get a shirt that has polo, 
Polo, Joe Low, whoever else Low. No, I'm gonna get my own shirt. And that's be more honorable. If I'm gonna flash somebody else's shoes or socks or whatever, why not make my own? I can do the same thing they're doing. Get some Chinese people. <laughs> to work in my basement. <laughs> Pay them, treat them bad, stuff for the law. <laughs> don't feed them, don't give them no drink. And they work 25 hours. And I say, hey, hey, here's your $2. <laughs> no, that's not allowed, yeah, Khoan. May Allah allow them to be treated better. That's not correct, yeah, Khoan. And then stamp somebody famous on my shoe that they made, and the shoe cost $3. And now it costs $200 in America. $250. May Allah help us, yeah, Khoan, and guide us all. I can do the same thing. I challenge you all to get your own clothing line, your own shoe line. Why not? Why can't we do that? We can have entrepreneurs in our community. We can be a sheikh and a businessman. He can be a memorizer and a car salesman. We can make money. It's not allowed to kill ourselves trying to acquire the money. That's different. But you can be comfortable. You can be comfortable. I spill something on my throat. I don't have to keep it on. Doesn't make me look humble. No, that's a misconception. Humbleness is from the actions of the heart. There are many rich scholars one of our Sheikh in Yemen, a Sheikh Muhammad Somali, Hafidullah Ta'ala, Canada Malin, he had wealth. He had three stores, a couple apartment buildings. Sheikh had money. And his stores used to be holy. I'll tell you a story. One of the first times I met the Sheikh. And my love for him just, just increased. At that time, we used to go see him every day after every Jumu'ah. And he would invite everybody in the masjid to his house for lunch. So it was me, Bilal, Mujahid, the brothers of America there in Yemen. So at first, the Sheikh would invite everybody in the masjid. So we go the first time, and I said, oh, I'm calling my friends back home, mashallah, the Sheikh just invited me. I'm the man. The Sheikh invited me to his house. And then I said, I wonder, he's inviting everybody in the masjid. He's not inviting me. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm special. The Sheikh, he was sending his little son up, like, hey, man, you need to have me. Who wants to have lunch with my father? Come, come to the house. I said, Alhamdulillah, I'm a student now. I gotta go to the shade. No, he's inviting the master, yeah. There's nothing special about you. So the next time I sat there, I said, I'm not gonna go until the shade personally invites me. So I'm sitting here making sure I'm in his eyesight so he can see me after, after Jumu'ah. And then everybody left. I said, see, he's inviting everybody, not me. And then his son came back and said, Abdullah, my Abi said, you coming? I said, oh, Allahu Akbar. Salaam alaikum, ya khwan. Now the Sheikh invited me personally. At any rate, we go to his house. Real handsome man, real relaxed. Strong, mashallah, so kind. He took off his, he's the first one that taught us about having a house stove. You may have your clothes that you wear outside and your clothes you wear inside. He took off his nice outside throat, put on his little pajama throat, little raggedy throat, mashallah. Took off his gun in Yemen. You, everybody has a gun. Not the foreigners. I wanted the gun. Maybe it's good I didn't get a gun. <laughs> I don't have no patience there, At any rate, they have a gun and they have a knife. The Jambian. I had a Jambian. The Jambian is like a sign of rujula, sign of uh, uh, manhood. You don't see nobody ever fight with it. Alhamdulillah. You barely see an argument. But when they do argue, all oh, Oh, like, yeah, are you gonna fight or what? Bismillah. They said, No, it's haram for us to fight with Muslims. They said, Why are you arguing so much? 
and you never seen anybody grab a knife. It's just a sign of manhood. You have a, like a dagger. That's all. So the sheikh took off his gun, took off his knife. I'm like, yo, how many weapons does the sheikh have? Yeah, he has a lot of, took everything off. And then the sheikh sat back. And I'm not talking about the sheikh. I'm explaining what happened. So the sheikh, he sat back and he had on socks. Hafidahullah ta'ala. One of my first mashaykh in Yemen, in, uh, in Sana'a. When he put his foot back, this part of the sock was gone. He didn't, he didn't, I don't know how the sock was still on his foot. So my friend Bilal, a real jokester brother Bilal, he's into MMA. I think now he's in Dubai, uh, teaching MMA there. Alhamdulillah. So Bilal said, hey, he whispered to me. And then the Sheikh saw Bilal whispering. And he said, عنده, what was he talking about? And Bilal made a joke. So I was shy to tell the Sheikh, he just bust on you, Sheikh. Basically. So the Sheikh sat back. And the bottom of his foot, it was sock up this part and foot here. So Bilal said, yo, what? You see the Sheikh foot? Yep, how's that sock on his foot? <laughs> so I laughed. And then the Sheikh said, what did he say? So I said, Sheikh, uh, I'm going to say that to the Sheikh. So I said, Sheikh, uh, he's saying, we're used to seeing scholars more like princes in Saudi Arabia, mashallah. In Yemen and Africa, the scholars are more humble. They don't really care about ironing their thobes. You don't see that. And the Sheikh starts smiling, mashallah. That was the first time I saw two scholars differ, and neither one of them felt any way about the other. The Sheikh that was serving us the food was the big Sheikh in Hadith. And none of us knew who that was. I thought, I thought he was a servant of the Sheikh. That's what I thought. Real humble looking, real small man, Sheikh Jamil Asilwi. He is the man in fiqh in Yemen from the students of Sheikh Mukbil. He was serving us food. First time I seen someone implement the hadith Abi Huraira that Al Mu'ti Ya'kulu Ta'aman Akhiran. That one who serves Al Muqaddam, he eats the food last. That's the first time I saw that. So the Sheikh was giving us food and drink, food and drink. Served about 15, 16 brothers, and he never ate anything. So I'm like, maybe the Sheikh fasting. Allah Adam. Maybe he's not hungry. Maybe he made the food. He don't like his own cooking. Allah Adam. He's not eating. And then after everybody eats, the Sheikh started eating. And I said, oh, that's the Hadith. Allah Akbar. So one thing about the Sheikh you're, you're going to love, you're not going to sit around him for 15, 20 minutes without mentioning a benefit. Even if it's kalimatan wahidatan, even if it's one word, you're never going to do that. So our first visit with the Sheikh, the one brother said, Musta'id ya Sheikh, Sheikh, you ready? So I'm thinking about to do a class. So the Sheikh says, Naam, Tfadl, Iqra. He said, Yes, recite. And the brother says, Tayyip. Qala Nabi alayhi salatu salam, inna ma la malu bin niyat min hadith Umar, in the Bukhari Muslim. He mentions the hadith, actions are based upon intentions narrated by Umar, collected by Bukhari Muslim. The next brother beside him said the hadith, Qala Nabi alayhi salatu salam, first time I saw that. All around the room, every brother, the first brother recited the hadith, second brother recited the hadith, all around the room. So now we got to the American brothers. We don't know what to do. It's our first time. So the Sheikh said, Fadl ya akhi. My friend Bilal said, what is he saying? I say, he's telling you to do something. I don't know. 
So I said, Shaykh, mother, to read the minhu. What do you want him to do? He says, Uridu and yakra. I want him to recite the same hadith. Everybody just recite it. But I said, I didn't know it. And the Shaykh recited it with him, and then he recited it. Then it was my turn, and I tried my best. And it got all around to the Shaykh. I said, oh, that's beautiful, ya khwan. I love Yemen. Yemen is humble. And then we start asking the Shaykh questions, mashallah. So that turned into our, every Friday, we had the Shaykh for about two hours. Just the American brothers. MashaAllah. At any rate, Sheikh Jamil and the Sheikh, one of the best conversations I ever heard in my life to this day. They differ on where to put your hands in the Salah. Our Sheikh, Sheikh Muhammad Somali, he has the position. After the Rukur, you come up. Sami Allahu Nimin Hamidah. Rabbana wa hamd. You put your hands back down. Sheikh Jamil, one of his students, differ with him. His position was, you say, and you place your right on your left. And they begin to differ. In the most polite, mannerful, honorable, humblest way I've ever heard in my life. No name calling, no defaming, no who do you think you is. That's his Shaykh. So Sheikh Jamil says to Sheikh uh, Muhammad Somali, he says, uh, Sheikh Muhammad Somali says to Sheikh Jamil, Sheikh Jamil said to Sheikh Muhammad Somali, Sheikh Albani, Dahaba ilab anna hadha al-bid'a. He says, Sheikh Albani says, Ya Sheikh, that this is a bid'a. So the Sheikh laughed. He says, Naam, hadha sahih. He says, Yes, that's Sheikh Albani's opinion. May Allah preserve him. He says, Limadha qala hadha. He said, Why did he say that? Teaching al-fiqh is not just about opinions. He says, Qala laysa indahu dalil. He said, there's no proof that the Prophet did that. Qala shaykh, walihadha al-bid'atun ayda. The shaykh said, based upon that, then this would also be a bid'ah. If what Shaykh al-Bani is saying is correct, because it has no origin, then this has no origin either. So this would be a bid'ah also. At any rate, they had one of the most humbling conversations you ever heard in your life. Usually when two people of knowledge have a conversation, when they differ, you're going to benefit. Not like we differ today. If you have some of those debates, a respectable, honorable debate with people of knowledge, I guarantee you learn something. I guarantee you. The man is number one. I remember, and we'll stop here, Juan. The second time I seen the argument, there were four students of Sheikh Albani. Sheikh Ali Al-Halabi, Rahimahullah, Sheikh Salim Al-Hilali, Sheikh Muhammad Musa Nasr, and one from Africa, Abu, uh, Abu Hatim Usam Al-Qusi. And he also studied with Sheikh Mukbur, Rahimahullah. They were on a panel, sitting side by side. You're never going to see nothing like this in your life. وَوَرَدَتْ نَفْسُ السَّوَادِ إِلَى جَمِيعِهِمْ So somebody asked each of them, probably one of the foreigners, we're always starting arguments, mashallah, that's just our people. May Allah help us all. Did we ask the one sheikh a question about salah? Then we asked the one sitting beside him the same question, and then we asked the one the same question. I don't know why we do that. But they all answered differently. And they didn't do like most of us. Well, let me add to what the Sheikh said today. You see a panel nowadays, the first Sheikh answers, if he's especially from the students of knowledge. You don't see this from the scholars. If you have a panel of students of knowledge, the one student answers. The second student is going to say, hey, I just want to add to what my brother said. That's not from manners. That's not from good manners. Whatever the brother said is sufficient. I remember Sheikh Muqbar, uh, Sheikh Uthaymeen, Rahim Allah Ta'ala, who was one of his mashaykhs. 
we benefited from the most. Not Albani? Sheikh Ibn Abbas. He's a student of a Sa'di also. But he benefited tremendously from Ibn Abbas and Sa'di too. So his Sheikh Ibn Abbas, Alqa Kalimatan, Muhadaratan, he gave a lecture the night before. He was asked a question. So Sheikh Ibn Abbas gave the answer. The next night, Sheikh Utaymin is given a talk. First night, Sheikh Ibn Abbas. Second night, Sheikh Utaymin. Sheikh Utaymin was asked the same question, but he did with manners. You're never going to see this, yeah, well, except from the people of knowledge. May Allah make us and you from them. The questioner asks, Sheikh Mutaymi says, La'alla shaykhuna qad ajaba anhu qablu. Qabl amps. He said, perhaps our shaykh just answered that question. Wa fi jawabihi kifaya. And his reply is sufficient. So the brothers, they say, well shaykh, maybe somebody's here tonight that wasn't there last night. And he says, ad-dars musajjal. The class is recorded. Then go back to it. That's man is ikhwan. He's teaching the people not to differ. If we ask the shaykh and he answered, don't ask me the same thing. This can cause a lot of ikhtilafat amongst the jama'ah, for example. Nowadays, we don't know what shaykh to listen to. You ask, what about this shaykh? Another shaykh dispraises him. Another shaykh praises him. We ask about another shaykh, that same shaykh praises him. Another shaykh dispraises him. So who do you take from? So it's confusing nowadays. It's opinionated. You take from all of the scholars who teach you the Quran and the Sunnah and you benefit from them. Even if they have some personal issues amongst themselves. Somebody may say, hey, where you go pray at in Kansas? I go to Masjid such and such. I don't go to Masjid such and such. So he doesn't go to Masjid such and such. I go to Masjid such and such. I don't go to that Masjid. So he's, it's confusing. So now he stays home. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I came to Salam, they said don't go over there. I didn't go over there. I met somebody from over there, they said don't go over here. I'll stay away. <laughs> I'll stay away from both of them. So he prays in the house. No, he keeps their speech where, where they are. What is all of that speech? Opinion. It's opinions, Ikhwan. And to the person comes with some evidence. He says, don't go over there. Why not? They don't teach the Quran and Sunnah. Give me an example. I don't know, Yaqi. I've never been there. That's most of us. No, you're speaking ignorantly, Yaqi. You take from all of the scholars of Ahli Sunnah, benefit from all of them. When you hear someone talking about another scholar, close your ears. To talk about the people of knowledge, as Imam Ahmed said, is poison. Don't ever talk about the people of, don't ever talk about a Muslim. But don't talk about the scholars, especially. Does this mean you can't correct if something is wrong? Does this mean you can't say the shaykh was wrong here? No. You can say that if you know. Sometimes you find Umar correcting Abu Bakr a few times. And most times you find Abu Bakr correcting Umar. Sometimes you find Ali correcting Umar. Sometimes you find Ali correcting Ibn Abbas. Sometimes you find Aisha correcting. Sometimes you find, sometimes you find. That's not talking about someone. It's from Islam, al-difa'u an al-haqqa. That's a principle, ya Memorize that. It's from our religion to defend the truth. 
It's from Islam to defend the truth. يقول الشخص مثلا قال النبي عليه الصلاة والسلام أطلب العلم ولو بالصين. We somebody says not us somebody says the messenger of Allah said seek knowledge even if it's in China. It's upon someone with manners after the lesson maybe not in the lesson that could be from bad manners maybe after the lesson hey a sheikh may Allah bless you may Allah raise you that hadith is weak. Shukran ya may Allah bless you. Not in the lesson, not like that, but you have some manners, for example. It doesn't mean you can't correct. There are many instances that one of the companions mentioned that the Messenger of Allah made a mistake. How can the Messenger of Allah make a mistake? How? Who has an example? <coughs> Something about the Salah. Yeah, he shortened. It looks like either the Messenger of Allah forgot or he made a mistake. That's what it looks like. Allah Alam. The Messenger of Allah He prayed two raka'ah in the Dhuhr or Asr Salah. Fasallama. And he gave salams. Fakama Ubay ibn Ka'ab. So Ubay ibn Ka'ab said, Ya Rasulullah, Hal nusita aw hal qusuratis salatu. Look at his manners, ya khwan. Manners. Islam is a religion of manners, ya ikhwan. Allahu Akbar. Ubay ibn Ka'ab said, O Messenger of Allah, were you made to forget? Or was the prayer made shortened? That's a tremendous way to put it forth. Did you, were you made to forget? Meaning, did Allah allow you to forget? Or was the prayer made short? The Prophet said, I didn't forget. I wasn't made to forget. Nor did I pray short. Nor did the prayer shorten. What, what do you mean? And then he asked the companions. The Prophet given us another principle. He said, is what he's saying correct? Another principle. Verifying information. The companions said, yes. O Messenger of Allah, you only pray to Raka'ah. So it looks like either the Prophet forgot or he made an error. Allah Alam. At any rate, it's from Islam to defend. So Bay ibn Ka'ab asked the Messenger That's from our religion. When the Messenger of Allah died, there was one companion who thought he can't die. And the When the Messenger of Allah passed away, one of the companions felt he can't have died. He couldn't have died. Who was that companion? Umar. Faidatan, ma dhannahu bil hawa. La, dhannahu bil ilmi. Another benefit. Umar, he wasn't emotional here. A lot of people think, well, no, no, no. He's just being emotional. No. He got that understanding from the Quran and Sunnah. He thought that the Messenger of Allah in the ayah, وَجِئْنَا بِكَ شَهِيدًا عَلَى هَا as it comes in a verse, and we're going to come with you, O Muhammad, as a witness upon them. Omar felt if he's going to be a witness, he has to be there to watch the last of his ummah do actions. So he didn't just make that up. He wasn't emotional. No, he misunderstood the verse. He had his delil. We learned two words last week. Istidlal and delil. He had his delil. He had the ayah. But he was mistaken on his istidlal, on how he's using the verse. 
He had his proofs. He thought this verse, the Prophet is going to be a witness. It means he's going to witness the actions of all of his ummah. So he can't die. And then Abu Bakr comes. Abu Bakr says the most humbling words. Mahlan ya Umar. He says, take it easy, Umar. Mahlan. Qadamata Nabi alayhi salatu He says, take it easy, Umar. Ready, the Messenger of Allah has died. And then Umar humbled himself. Umar was known to be a man. May Allah make us like Umar. If somebody said, Qala Allah, Qala Nabi, Sakata, Tamahala. Someone says, Allah said, Umar. The Prophet of Allah said, Umar. He wasn't like most of us, but this sheikh says, this scholar says, my imam said, my wife said, my husband said, my madhab, my country, my homeboy, where I'm missing Massey, my best friend, my father said, that's most of us. The hadith is right in front of us. And we have the nerve to say, hey, sheikhi, my sheikh said, madhabi, my madhab, beladi, my country, many of us. Raisi, my president, he said. <laughs> Woke up the, the shake He meant that we went over our time, yeah, Juan. How much time? So tonight we got off traffic, yeah, Juan. We did three descriptions of the wudu. What did we mention, yeah, Juan? The niya and the bismillah. Father Sheikh. About washing the face, I heard somebody say that you have to have enough water to where like to wipe dripped out from the face. So he had a ma indna dilirun ala hada alqaul. Nahtari mu min qala. La bas. We honor whoever says it. May Allah reward that brother, that sister. May Allah bless that brother, that sister. However, there's no proof for that. You can take a little bit of water, and then a little bit more water, and a little bit more water. If you take a little bit of water. And it doesn't cover your whole face. How many washings is that? I take some water, methalan, and the indana dilwun, we have a, bu a bucket. That's another sunnah. That maybe in the future we can implement that in our masjid. Get some small pictures. Many of us make wudu, and almost every masjid in America nowadays, even in the Muslim land, where the, the water just comes from the faucet. A way to preserve the water is that you put it in the container and you make wudu from that bucket. Now someone's going to come, hey, Now someone's going to say, Myra's going to come, oh, I'm not making wudu from that water, ya akhi. No, I saw, I saw Omar. Oh, he's shooting hoops. I'm not doing that. It's allowed. You don't have to use the water, but it's allowed. It's allowed to make wudu from used water, as long as it's still pure. And tahir mutahir. It can purify and it's still pure. At any rate, it saves the water. Many times we waste so much water, ya akhwan. We're sitting here, hey, how's everything, yaqi? And the water's just coming down. Hey, how's the family, mashallah? Alhamdulillah, how's your view today? Alhamdulillah, you coming to class? May Allah bless you. The water, the water, the water. That's gallons of water, gallons of water. Every day, every day. Sometimes all three brothers making wudu, having a conversation of their lives. Hey, yaqi, mashallah, that's a nice stove. Bismillah, Rahman, Rahim. Alhamdulillah, nice haircut. May Allah bless you. What you doing later? 20 minutes worth of water, we just waste. And then we're asked to put our money down. We don't want to put our money down. We waste so much water, ya akhwah. It's a sunnah to use a little bit of water. I challenge myself first and my brother secondly to stop wasting water. Use what's sufficient, for example. So now, you use a little bit of water. 
It doesn't cover your whole face. That's not one washing yet. You put a little bit more water on. It doesn't cover your whole face. You have to take the water and try to wash your whole face. When you cover that whole face, that's just one. No matter how many times you did it, it could be eight times. That's one time. If you didn't wash your whole arm, you take seven scoops of water and then you finally get the whole arm, that's just one. The point, a shahid, you wash your arm from the atraf, the tips to the midafak, your elbow, one time or two times or three times. A complete washing. Right? Is it allowed to use soap? Why are you washing? And wudu? The answer is no. The water has to be tahirun, mutahirun. The water has to be pure water. And it can't have any soap in it. It can't have anything that can change the smell, taste, or color. So we'll stop here, Juan. We stopped on the third manner. Which was Mada washing the hands, the two hands. We'll stop there so I'll be like, baby, can get some rest, inshallah. Myra's a little newborn baby. Mabrook, Mabrook, Mabrook. May Allah bless him and his family, yeah, and all of you, Father Sheikh. From just the sunnah of the wudu and also the wajib. The wajib of the wudu? As far as what? As far as he, he, how he breaks it down, as-sa'adi's words is the al-farud. No, no. As-sa'adi is given the obligation. As-sa'adi is given at afdaliyah was better. He also mentions, وَالْفَرُدُ مِنْ ذَلِكَ مَرَّةً وَاهِدَةً This is the obligation. That you wash one time. You come to make wudu, you want to do the sunnah. You're going to wash your hands first. That first initial washing is not in the verse. That first initial washing. When you wash your hands, that first time, that's not the washing of the hands that Allah is talking about. You didn't get there yet. That first washing here is a sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, Al-Bada'iyah. How he used to begin the wudu. He used to wash his hands three times. That's not the wudu yet though. That's mustahab. That's not mentioned in the verse. Allah doesn't mention wash your hands twice. You ever think, why do I wash my hands twice? I just wash them. And then you do your mouth, your nose, your face, and then you do your hands again. The first washing is the mustahab. It's recommended. That's how the Messenger of Allah used to begin, for example. There's some things that are from the sunnah that are not from the things that are obligatory. That are not from things that are obligatory. If you wash more than three times. If you wash more than three times, be doing hajah, fahada kuriha. If you wash more than three times without the need to do so, that's hated to do. If you need to increase, that's obligatory. I do three times, but I still didn't get my whole arm. So I have to do one more. And then if I do one more, you should stop on the al witr on the odd number. Father Sheikh Abdullah. If you do sometimes three, can you mix sometimes the numbers? Hey, sometimes you can do so. The, the correct position is that you should mix what the Prophet mixed. But there are some ahadith when the Prophet will wipe three times and then wipe the feet once. Hadith. Uh, it comes in Bukhari. Hadith Uthman. 
that the Messenger of Allah, and then he wiped his feet. When he got to the feet, he didn't say anything about the number. Another benefit for Sheikh Abdullah's question is, when you're wiping the feet, which foot do you start with when you're wiping the feet? Not washing the feet. Both at the same time. That's one opinion. And the second one is that you do with the right. The correct opinion appears to be, you wipe them at the same time. When you wipe. Why is that? Because not mentioned, he did his right foot first and his left foot second. He says, وَمَسَعَهُمَا And he wiped them both. Sheikh Fawzani says here, the wiping is like this, at the same time. He said, had it been right foot, left foot, he would have said it. It's how some scholars of hadith are really meticulous. And they are They have that precision accuracy. They're going to mention it how it is. The Prophet didn't say number. Allah didn't say number. So one has to be obligatory. Not two and three. That's the sunnah. The Prophet is showing variations of how to make wudu. Sometimes he washes his hands one time. Hadith ibn Abbas. Sometimes he washes his hands two times. Sometimes he washes his hands three times. Sometimes he washes his face once, twice, three. The head is always once. The ears is always once. Some hadiths say he washed his feet three. Most of the hadiths say he wiped his feet. They don't mention the number. Right? And we're going to get to those hadith, inshallah ta'ala. May Allah bless you all, yeah, Anyone else? Father Shaykh. So, so I had uh, some Somalians asking uh, Sheikhs huh? in the rulers and asking, I'm in the shower, when I take the shower, huh? can I take the wudu in the shower? Hey, yes. 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 Is not how the, the obligation of the ghusl. The obligation of the ghusl is how many times you wash your body. The obligation. Once. The Prophet used to wash his body three times. He's always going to do a little extra. Also the Prophet of Allah, he used to do something. He used to cleanse his private part with his left hand. Some narrations mention, Somebody may say, this is strange, this is extreme. No problem. We can talk about that another time. The Prophet would cleanse himself, take the impurities from, or the filth from being with his wife, and he would wipe it on the wall. One narration. So some scholars would come, even if they didn't have relation with their wives, they would just cleanse them private parts and wipe it on the wall. Following the hadith. Sometimes the Messenger of Allah says, and then he wiped it upon a barrier, upon something. It always mentions, most of the instances, that the Prophet that the Prophet would get out of the place that he just washed in and then wash his feet. What's the wisdom of that? His showers wasn't like the shower of today. He's in a bath. Somebody's washing up in the bath. We play a ball and I'll take a bath. And then I'm going to use that dirty water to make wudu from. So this water is impure, for example, the Prophet of Allah is with his wife. So the fluid is in the tub. So you can't take this water and purify yourself with it. So now the Prophet would get out and wash his feet. He's standing in the tub, for example. So it's not like the shower of today. He's in the water. So now, he will get out of that filthy water and then wash his feet. 
That's a sunnah if you're in the tub. If you're in a shower, you don't have to do that, but it's still a sunnah if you wish. You can stay there because the water's going down and wash your feet. Alhamdulillah. Or you can do like the Prophet did, even though you don't need to do it, that's, you're not in that situation. You can still follow the hadith. You guys with me? Fine. So we'll stop there. Fine. Sheikh Mara. So when you, uh, do you just make the niya that the shower, let's say, going from your head to your feet, mm. cleaning everything, do you just make niya that it's wudu, or do you actually do the actions of wudu inside the shower? It depends on what you're making. You don't have to make the intention of the water coming down from the shower or in the bath. You have to make intentions from that for the action. So now you're making the wudu. You make intention in your heart for the wudu. Now it's best to do your wudu as we're learning how the Prophet did it. There's some things the Prophet would do والسلام, in his wudu that are not obligatory to do. Like the salah. There's some things that are not obligatory to do in the salah, but it's better if you do it. You're in the prayer, for example. Someone says, Hachu. And he says, Alhamdulillah. It's better that you don't say, Yarhamukallah. Because you're in the salah. After the salah is over, you say, Yarhamukallah. But it's obligatory to say, Yarhamukallah. But now you're in the prayer. Another benefit, raising the hands to your shoulders or your ears. Four times. It's not obligatory to do. But it's highly, highly, highly recommended when you go to the, to the rukur, raise your hands. Coming up, raise your hands. Third raka'ah, raise your hands. But it's not obligatory. Most times the Prophet will raise his hands. It's not obligatory. Hadith ibn Abbas, Hadith ibn Mas'ud mentioned the Prophet of Allah, Rafa'a yadayhi marratan wahidatan wa lam ya'ud. Wal hadith and al-bayhaqi. The Messenger of Allah, Ibn Mas'ud said, the Prophet raised his hands one time and he never returned back to it in that prayer. Some of the people of the Hanafi Madhab, they say this hadith abrogates the hadith Ibn Umar. That's how they look at it. So the Hanafi, you see that in India a lot, Pakistan a lot, Bangladesh a lot, Malaysia a lot. They raise their hands one time and one time only. They say Allahu Akbar, but that's it. He's not going to raise hands again. And that's one of their proofs. The correct opinion is that this hadith doesn't wipe that hadith away. That's another variation. Sometimes, raise your hand once. Tomorrow you pray, Allahu Akbar, just do one reason. Implement another sunnah, for example. All of them are authentic, Wallah, I know. At any rate, in the wudu, if you want to do what's obligatory, just wash the body parts one time. The next wudu, do a sunnah. Wash the body parts two times. The next wudu, do another sunnah. Wash the body parts three times, for example. If you come across a hadith that you find the Prophet did it sometimes, you kadalika to hawilu and to tabiqahu ahyanan itiba'an the sunnah to Nabi alayhi salatu salam, then you try your best to follow it sometimes as the Prophet did it sometimes. Naktafi bihada, wallah ta'ala wa'ala, what's up there, yakhwan? And Allah the Most High knows best. Wa subhanaka lahum wa bihamdika, ashadu an la ilaha illa anta starkur wa tubulik. So your brothers keep us posted as far as if we can. Maybe we can do some research on getting a van or something like that and try to go down and see the shape. Inshallah, if that's feasible for everyone, inshallah. Four days, five days or so. And then go get some benefit from the shape, inshallah. Yeah. Exactly. Outside the class, I have a so quick question. Tell them. We try our best. What's the. Um, there's a, there are weak hadiths that are being mentioned 
and they will also mention that it is weak or not authentic. No. What's the benefit of? Oh, many benefits, yeah, <laughs> Many benefits. Number one, First benefit. Yes. You can defend. You can defend upon what's false. كَثِيرًا مِنَ الْحَدِيثِ يُرْوَى أَوْ يُنْسَبُ إِلَى النَّبِيِّ There are many narrations that are weak, that are attributed to the Messenger If you know what's authentic from what's weak, you can preserve the Sunnah. For example, the hadith that we mentioned earlier, that hadith in reality is مَوْضُوعٍ is fabricated. لَا أَصْلَهُ has no origin. الْمَعْنَى الصَّحِيحِ The meaning is correct. If knowledge is in India, we're going to go to India. If knowledge is in China, we're going to go to China. If knowledge is in America, we're going to, wherever knowledge is, we're going to go there. But it doesn't mean, as they say the Prophet of Allah said, there are many narrations in Ikhwan that the people say the Prophet said. There's one famous one that comes to my mind. They say the Prophet of Allah said, That cleanliness is from belief. That's not a hadith. So the first benefit is you can preserve, you can defend against Islam. Second, next benefit is The preservation of the authentic hadith of the Messenger If anyone can just come and mention a hadith that's weak then you're not going to differentiate between the authentic and between the weak Imam Ahmed used to say I memorized a hundred thousand weak narrations So to preserve When he knows the narration, no that's not authentic He tells you why No the Prophet didn't say that He say why So this is a way to preserve For example no. Shaykh Abdullah. May Allah bless you, Shaykh. Keep up the good work, inshallah ta'ala. Our brother says, I like your style. May Allah bless you also. May Allah raise you. May Allah raise you. Uh, Shaykh Muhammad Razan. Uh, Ramzan. Yeah, so we're going to try to see, inshallah. Maybe we get some brothers together. You going? Oh, uh, inshallah. We're going to try to go together. You take your family or you going by yourself? Okay. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to try to see, inshallah, ikhwan. Maybe we can get a group of brothers. Okay. Does anyone have like a, um, 